Welcome to episode 52 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you from both coasts of the United States of America. It's amazing. It's uh, amazing. I think we did this once before from Atlanta and this Los Angeles. This is different. This is New York City. New York City, yes. where you are, and Los yes. Angeles, where I am. It's it's amazing. And you are, for people who can't see, he has a beautiful light shining in. It's natural light. He looks amazing. And it's, uh, it's wonderful yes. that he is here. And we are back doing the show, which is very exciting. But um, this is episode... 52. And Jeff, 52. I'm going to start this a little differently this time. Oh, what? You ready? What? Since yes. you have mathematicians in your family. I do. 52, My brother is a mathematician. 52 years ago today would be 1971 uh, by my calculations, but I want to yes. check with you first. I believe 1971 is correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, I was out on the Writers Guild picket line with my brother, who is a mathematician. Oh, I love that. And I believe, and also my nephew was there as well. Wow. Very, very smart young man. And I believe they would both confirm that uh, two years ago today was 1971. Okay. I feel much better now. I feel much better. Um, let me tell you a couple cameras that you might be familiar with. Hey. You ready? Yes. The Canon F1. Oh, yeah. I feel like we've okay. talked about the no. Canon F1 yes, in several consecutive have. years. No, stop it. It's <laughs> 1971. I, okay. I refuse to be challenged. Um, okay, the, let me just ask you this. Yes. Have you ever used an F1? I have never used an F1. Have you ever used a new F1? No. You know, there's two different F1s. What? What? You t- there's no. the original F1. Right. And then in the wake of the Canon A series, there right. was a reconceived F1. And what? So there are two what? different F1 editions. They're very different from one another. The new F1 is more electronic. It's more in the spirit of the A1. Right. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was a big Canon fanboy, as you know. Oh, I think yes. we talked about it in our Canon Definitely. episode just how many Canon SLRs I have owned. Right. From the Pelix to the AE-1 to the FTB to the EF. Never owned an F1. Interesting. Never. Never. Never touched wow. one. How about that? Crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. Okay. You've got a across- fine camera and a weirdly undervalued camera, considering it's on a par with your Nikon F and your Nikon F2. Yes, I will. I'm going to give you one more Canon, and I'm just going to bring up something that I purchased, which is, you know, a little earlier. Uh, okay. The Canon FTB. Hey! Love that camera. <laughs> See? I need Also one. a camera with two different versions. Did you know that? No, that I didn't know at all. I know the FTB, though. Well, there's an FT. I'm going to skip that. Right. Then there's the FTB. Right. Then there is the FTBN. Oh, my goodness. Which has a different self-timer slash rewind lever. Sorry, has a different self-timer slash stop-down metering lever. Okay. And it adds the quick loading system, the QL system. So the FTB-N, I actually think is a slightly cooler camera. Uh, Some people like the original FTB because it has the big, ugly, ungainly self-timer lever. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, But I've owned both, and they're great. Oh, I love that. Now, what about the Nikon F2 Photomic? Have never owned one. I believe we were speaking of this during our 50th, that you have an F2. Yes, I do. And I really like them. And 
And this sort of, uh, so that's, you know, that's just a few of the things that uh, happened in 1971. There were many, many more, but uh, we'll be here all day. But, you know, here's the thing that, that I found myself um, suddenly attracted to is I saw this 19, I don't know, maybe it was 70 uh, can, uh, Nikon that was so beat up and so brassed. Yeah. That I loved it, and I hadn't seen one in a very long time. All black body, but I mean, wait, really... are you talking about a Canon or a Nikon? Ni- I'm sorry, Nikon, 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 Nikon. Yes. Oh, okay. I saw a Nikon so, okay. that was an F, just an F, but it was beautiful. Like I have never okay. ever seen one like this before. It was so scratched up naturally and amazing. I don't know why I'm attracted to that, but I loved it. And I went to buy it. It was on um, Japan Vintage Camera on Etsy. He's great. Wow, and okay. he also does instructional videos uh, on YouTube. And I went to buy it and someone had just bought it. Oh. I was so angry and I was frustrated. <laughs> I looked and looked and looked. And there in front of me was a camera I knew nothing about, which is the Canon Flex. <gasps> we have spoken of the Canon Flex. And I, but I just never held one like an RM. So I have this. Oh, gay. That I got from that Japan. Is so pretty. And it now. works great, but it's. It's heavy, but beautiful. I love it. Uh, can I ask you what lens you have on that camera? Yes. So this is the um, 51.8. There's a beautiful, I think, is it a 51.2? Which is I everyone raves is. raves about. Um, what lens do you like? What's the, what's the Canon well, lens? Well, you, you know, I don't. I don't have as many of these FL lenses, mm-hmm. uh, which are the precursor to the FD lens. Right. Uh, so I don't know them as well. I believe the one I have is the same as the one you have. Mm-hmm. I believe it's a 50. Is it a 1.4? This one's a 1.8, but I'm sure they have yeah. one. I know. I think I have the same one you have. Uh, those of you who have followed this news organization know that I acquired a Canon Flex R2000 yes. back in November of last year, shortly after we did our Canon show, because my sequence is I get the t-shirt, we talk about it on the show, and then I buy it. Yes. And I was attracted to the Canon Flex for two reasons. One is that it had a chrome body, but a black finder. Oh, wow. Super cool. Oh, yeah, cool. I think I've seen that. That's cool. Yeah. And that's standard. That's not that I. That's not a mix and matchy thing. That's actually right. how it came standard. I love cameras right. like that. I believe the Minolta XE five or XE seven has the same kind of color combo, mm-hmm. and I think it's cool. And it was one of the rare cameras of the era with a top shutter speed of one two thousand. Oh my goodness! Of a second, and it has a trigger wind on the bottom. Now, does yours have a trigger wind on no, the bottom, so or is it a standard is trigger- wind? Right. So, so does it have all, this? No, no, does no. Does it have this does on the bottom? Does not have that on the bottom. Standard winder. Right. I love the brassing on that camera. But here's I like the, the deal. Petite print, petite print, pent up prism. That's hard to say. This is. There are very few black ones wow. of these. So they sure. made seventy-two thousand of the chrome. Yeah. And uh, the guy from Japan has seen, I think, six of these <gasps> in twelve years. Wow. So he said these are one. really rare, you know, on and on. And it weren't it wasn't expensive. It just that it was he just said it's really rare. No. They're not valuable. They're just really rare. So Yeah, they're they're not really collectible. People no. do not I think the Canon Flex series is considered kind of a failure. Total. Uh that until the F series came along, that was sort of Canon stepping into the light. Right. Uh but the FL lenses are great. 
And even though you're dealing with, okay, stop down metering, in your case, it's an external meter. It's not, I mean, it's a on body meter. It's not a through the lens meter. Right. Uh, the R2000 has through the lens metering. Um, but handsome camera. Yeah. And I and have I, you shot with it yet? I'm, I'm going to be shooting with it this weekend. I'm cool. um, very excited to test it out. And then, you know, what, what happens, of course, is um, I get sort of, as we all do, and especially our listeners, you know, late night eBaying, you see something or you see something at B&H. I was recently in New York hanging out with Chris Chu. I went to B&H and there was, there was just a Nikon, right? Just a simple Nikon. Yeah. But it had that clip-on meter. Oh, yeah. And for and this some is an re- F. Yes. This is an F? Yes. Yeah. But for some reason, I couldn't get the clip-on meter out of my head. And he goes, clip-on meter doesn't work. Doesn't work. You're not buying the camera for the clip-on meter. Yeah. And I'm going, I want that clip-on meter. So, I, of course, I come home to L.A. I spend forever trying to find one. I finally bid on one. And I won it. It was much cheaper than I than uh, the store. Wow! And so I'm waiting for that. And then another ridiculous late night buy was you know caused by my friend Victoria, who said, "Oh, you got to see these shots." She sent me these shots she took of these uh, cars. They were beautiful, just beautiful shots. And she goes, "Yeah, this is the Rico Auto S." Wow! Uh, Auto, Auto S sixteen rangefinder. Yeah. What is that? Auto S16. And I was like, oh, my God, these are amazing. And then, of course, late night. And then, yeah, again, not expensive. But, boy, I am very excited to get that, too. So look at you with oh, the acquisitions, it's man. Crazy. It's crazy. But speaking, this is such a good segue. Speaking about acquisitions, Jeff, you recently um, you got an X-Pan that I think we've talked oh. about. The X-Pan that you didn't need, but you did buy it <sighs> and you did have it. And. And obviously, you know, there's sometimes there's trouble that goes on. But tell us about your X-Pan experience now that you've had it for a little while. Oh, uh, wait, wait. It is, How long have you yes. had it exactly? Can we talk about that? This is, <laughs> this is a saga after a saga. I don't even know where to dip into this. Uh, I think I'll start by telling you guys that um, I think where we left off was that my original XPAM, my beloved original XPAM, my life-changing XPAM right. that I got in England 10 months ago. 10 months ago, okay. Had begun to squeak, and then horrifyingly it locked up while I was shooting at the accursed Getty Museum, which I won't, <laughs> I won't go into again. Uh, but uh, I went into a panic because this was... Uh, the sequence was... It was a couple of days before I was slated to spend a solid week directing an episode of a new NBC sitcom. And then at the end of that week, I was jumping on a plane to Paris. And so I had no time to deal with getting this machine fixed. So those of you who heard our last episode know that what I did was I impulsively shelled out for an X-Pan 2 that I found from a dealer who is going to remain nameless for now because this story does not end happily. No. Okay? But I bought it, and I had them express ship it to me, and I thought, and I made all of these rationalizations in our last episode for why it was good to have both an X-Pan and an X-Pan 2. Right. I would have the X-Pan 2, which is allegedly better, has a couple of improvements, which we've discussed, 
And so I would have the X-Pan 2 as my reliable shooter right. in case the less than reliable original <laughs> X-Pan started to fail me. Yes. The Fates had other plans. Yes, they did. Okay. The camera arrives. The X-Pan 2 arrives. As I gingerly unwrap it, I'm very excited because it looks immaculate. Yep, he sends me pictures. It looks beautiful. Unbelievably gorgeous. I'm excited. It was a very good price. As you guys know about X-Pans, usually they have beat up paint and all sorts of other stuff. This camera looks showroom fresh. Yes. But then <laughs> I mount a lens on it and I check the focus and the vertical alignment on the rangefinder is off. Those of you who are rangefinder shooters know that that can be just a minor inconvenience, okay? I have maybe one or two other cameras with rangefinders that are ever so slightly off, right. but I live with it. Right. On a camera like this, I really did not want to live with it. So I call our trusty dusty camera repair guy in Garden Grove, California, and I say to him, is this something you could expedite and fix? Now, those of you who don't know Southern California, I should point out Garden Grove is an hour's drive yes. for me. Yes. So I would have to somehow find a, the time between now and the start of the directing assignment to drive to Garden Grove, drop it off, kill time in Garden Grove while he opens it up and adjusts the rangefinder, and then pick it up, pay the man, come home. Yes. That was my plan. The fates had other plans because as I started to put this camera through its paces, okay, Gabe, tell me if this gets too long-winded. Just oh, say no, Jeff please, enough already. Please. Okay. I start to play with the camera. And as I mentioned in our last episode, the exposure compensation dial on the X-Pan 1 is replaced by buttons on the back of the X-Pan 2 and a digital readout, an LCD screen, where you can jog the exposure up or down using two buttons, an up button and a down button. Right. The buttons are stuck fast. No. Like somebody poured a Coke on the camera. Oh, no. <sighs> and I take a look closer at this camera, especially at the rangefinder housing, and I notice that my initial impression was wrong, that there actually is a tiny hairline crack in the rangefinder housing which probably explains why the vertical alignment is off. Now, right. one little problem is a little problem. Two problems is a problem. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I could have maybe articulated that with more verve. <laughs> but at this point, I'm not keeping this camera. No. I'm not keeping this camera. I'm sending this thing back. So I begin to bundle this thing up, and I start thinking about, all right, I guess I'm not going to have a panoramic camera for the trip to Paris. Oh, well. Right. Then the fates intervene yet again. Oh, yes. With the pending writer's strike, which Gabe and I may do a separate podcast about of someday. Of course, yes. Uh, production gets pushed, and my schedule changes. So all of a sudden, I'm not directing the following week. So I think, ahaha, here's what I will do. I'll just take it down to Garden Grove and give my, the man... Uh, some time with my original X-Pan, right. and he will fix it. Right. And I will also have saved myself thousands of dollars yes. on the X-Pan 2. I would like to do a brief 
sidebar <laughs> on the improvements on the X-Pan 2 versus the X-Pan 1. Yes. Admittedly, I did not get a chance to put this camera through its paces. No. Too, too much. But I did take a look at the principal differences between the one and the two. One being the exposure compensation situation that I mentioned, the other being the shutter speed being perpetually vis visible in the viewfinder rather than just on the back of the camera. Guess what, Gabe? What? The two is not better. Uh. I don't think those improvements are improvements. Oh no. I actually think the manual dial is better and I don't like the distraction of a little light up LED saying 250, 250, 250 <laughs> when I look through the viewfinder. Right. So it was not with a heavy heart that I returned the X-Pan and I spoke to the representatives of this dealer right. who in spite of the fact that the camera had been listed it said, if you return this, there will be a 15% restocking fee. Oh. Have you ever encountered that? Uh, yeah, I have dealer? encountered that, but on um, I try not to get things that have a restocking because yeah. it's because sometimes, and, and very few, but there are few eBay sellers that sell things just to get that restocking fee. Uh, yeah. And they just sell things over and over again. But that... Um, that's a big chunk. It's not like here's you could get another camera of some other on camera. a $4,000 camera. Yeah. Again, I might have to call my mathematician. I may have to call this. him. Yes. Uh, but I believe that's a $600 charge yeah, to return a camera. Now, I know why they do it. Yeah. They don't want people buying it, shooting, 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 and then returning it right. so that it's basically a free rental. Right. I will say that these guys did show integrity. When I called them to explain the problems, they said, we will waive the restocking fee, send it back, we'll credit back to the original credit card, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to them, hey guys, when you get this thing fixed, please alert me. Yes. Because I might still be interested in buying it. Right. Okay. I just want to close out this part of the saga. <laughs> when the camera reached them, they did promptly credit my credit card. The next day that camera was back on their website and back on ebay same condition they did not fix it same condition same condition they did not fix it yeah uh, that ain't cool man yeah what are they doing someone else is going to buy it and have the same reaction i did buttons don't work yeah you might be able to put up with the vertical alignment on the rangefinder and have your local repair guy fix it but that is not cool and it's not listed in the description that way. No. So I am not going to name names because no. we are not haters on this show, no. except when it comes to the architecture of Richard Meyer. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that's cool. No. No. Okay. Very nerve-wracking. So. What happens next, okay, Jeff? Has this, Does something has happen next? Has this story next? grown tedious? No. Has I, it grown tedious I'm very yet? excited about this. But wait, wait, wait. Is, are you going to tell about the next place you went to? Should I We're talk getting to that. Okay, you let me We're know. We're getting so to I it get, because you, you have experience with them as well. Okay. Next step, as I said, I take camera to reliable repair guy in Garden Grove. I drop it Who off. Who we love, yes. He agrees to expedite it because he knows I have a trip coming up and I want to put it through its paces before the trip so I don't get any bad surprises. Okay? The next day, I think, he calls me and says, it's ready. So exciting. What a hero. Yeah. Love this guy. I go down. He charges me a minimal cost. X-Pans are hard to work on. Yep. I pick it up, I shoot with it, it seems fine. I get it home, it is not fine. And oh. it starts squeaking just like it used to. And over the ensuing days, 
it squeaks more and more, and then it locks up, just like it did at the accursed Getty Center. So oh. I call camera repair guy and he says, I am so sorry, I tried. There are other things I can do, bring it back to me. But at this point, the Paris trip is imminent. Right. I'm flying out in a day or two. I don't know what to do. Oh. Enter! <laughs> Who, Gabe? Enter, so Chris, let's go back a little bit for Chris Chu showing me yes. at that place. So. So Chris go, she goes, hey, first of all, we have an amazing time. We go get coffee. Love this Chris, is in New, York. in New York. In New York. Love Chris Chu. Uh, we hang out in the West Village. He shows me his favorite coffee place, which is underground. I mean, it's, of course, the coolest place ever. <laughs> and Fantastic. he's doing a little bit of his video shooting. And, and we're, you know, there's someone doing an engagement photo shoot under these beautiful cherry blossoms and they're falling down and it was amazing we just we just walked around and had a great time and he goes have you been to k&m and i'm going i have i was embarrassed to say i've never been to k i've never even heard of them. yeah yeah they've been around forever and yes. so we go into k&m it's a sort of you know crowded camera place i'm going oh yeah. this is really cool he goes no 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 come to the back and the back right. is so overwhelming that my mouth dropped open Stunning. i go i go what the is going on here the, the front of it is like, it's, it, it's called K&M Rentals. Yeah. Because I believe most of most what of they their do is rent is rental. cameras. Yeah. And the whole three quarters of the front makes it look like you're just in a place that rents digital yeah. cameras and lighting rigs. But yes, that back area. It's all used film cameras. The entire, yes. this tiny area. But I mean, you can't, the walls are packed I've never seen, and they say they have the Same. biggest collection in the U.S. And I just said I have never ever seen this. So Chris was, you know, asking questions. We were looking at all these compact cameras, and on and on. And I look around, and all of a sudden, I go, I hear the angels singing, and there is an oh. X pan right yes. in front of me. And he takes it out, and I go, he had two. I guess he had one. Yes, he had two of them. Yeah, he had two of them. So he takes yeah. them out, and I make a little video, and immediately. Uh, I FaceTime with Jeff and text Jeff and he has them and I go, they have it here. So this is very exciting. Now you can continue. It's very exciting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I will take my X-Pan. I will bring my trusty Leitzman Ulta CL as a backup. And I think I have mentioned the Leica CL is my favorite travel camera. Yeah. With that 40 millimeter Summicron, it is bulletproof and you it know it very well that's the other I know thing it you know very, very well. well it's a beautiful shooter and so i think you know what i'm not typically a two camera guy but i'm going to bring these two cameras and i'll have the x-pan and i'll have the leica cl and should anything go wrong with the x-pan i'll have a reliable camera that i know will get me through the trip right and if time permits while i'm in new york i will go to k&m and see what's what right uh i go to k&m <laughs> And I have the experience Gabe just described. I get in the back and I, I stardust, yeah, it's, angels it's amazing. I mean, I can't believe. They had four Minolta CLEs. Four, Crazy. including a gold one. Yeah. Just right there in the case. Yep. As you said, two X-Pans. A lot of beautiful machines. And here's the thing, gang. I'm so sorry to tell you. This is not like KEH, where you can just go and search their inventory. Their used inventory is not really comprehensively listed on their website. Right. So you kind of 
need to make a pilgrimage when you're in New York. Yes. I mean, if there's a specific camera you're looking for, like if you want to get one of those CLEs, call them up. But typically, you got to go there and look around. So I get on the subway. I'm still a New York neophyte, guys. I get on the subway. I go down to Chinatown, which is where it is, right? I walk in. I am dazzled. I talk to the gentleman in the back. I mention that my friend Gabe has been in. They go, ah, ha, ha. Of course, we remember Gabe. I said, show me your X-Pans. They show me two. One has a cracked viewfinder diopter, and the other, but is in significantly nicer condition. Paint is better. Right. Lower shutter count. Have I mentioned to you, Gabe, that you can check the shutter count of an X-Pan? I did not know that. If you turn on the X-Pan while holding down a button on the back, mm-hmm. it will show you a number which, when multiplied by 10, is the total number of exposures oh run through the camera. Isn't wow, that interesting? That's interesting, yeah. When, just by way of contrast, when I got my X-Pan in England, it had something like, I think, like 2,400 exposures on it. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. 2,400, which is a lot. Yeah. Now, I mean, the camera is... 18 years old, right. okay, but 2,400 exposures. This one had 800 exposures on it, wow. and that is not a lot. No. That is a very low shutter count yeah. for that camera. It's also newer. It's, in, it's from 2002 rather than 1998. I won't get into this, but everybody knows that you can decode the serial number of a Hasselblad because the digits... You know this, the alphanumeric code VH pictures. Right, right, right. So I was able to look on the bottom of the camera and go, oh, this is a 2002 camera. I said, can I swap the diopter with the other camera? They said, certainly. So I swapped the diopter, and all of a sudden, I have a very nice-looking X-Pan, and the price was very good. Yep. This is, guys, it's still an expensive camera, but the price was good. So I'm going to buy this thing. Yep. I buy it right on the spot, and it's got a six-month guarantee. Okay, so we are naming names yes. in the case of this dealer. We like these guys. Yep. They also sell me a Hasselblad strap because I'm strap boy now. <laughs> now, as it turns out, it did not fit the X-Pan. I didn't find this out till later. They were only too happy to take it in return. They couldn't have been nicer. So now I have a new scenario. Mm-hmm. I have the new X-Pan. I have the backup X-Pan, my old one, and the Leica CL. Gabe, would you be surprised to learn that when I came back to my New York abode and turned on my original X-Pan, nothing happened. You are kidding. It is stone dead. Oh, oh I thought you were gonna, it was going to be a happy ending. No, no, it's stone dead. So I put it in a box, shipped it via UPS to our trusty camera guy in Garden Grove, and he's going to see what he can do with it. Great. Okay, but off I go to Paris. Want to hear a little bit about that? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I have seen some of these photographs with that new X-Pan. They're beautiful. Like, it's amazing. It's so, That is so your camera. I got to tell you, I, I don't get that camera because I just never used it. But the pictures are amazing. The pictures are amazing. I stocked up. I had a credit at Sammy's camera from some gear I had sold to uh, KEH. And I spent it all on Portra 400. Portra 400 is like 15 bucks a roll now, guys. But oh, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm going to It's free, right. And I got a ton of Portra. I think I took 15 rolls with me. And I shot 11 of them. 
Um, and I just got, I'll talk, to, I'll talk to you about the lab in a minute, but I just got the scans and my God. I used the Leica CL a teeny tiny bit, but mostly I use the X-Pan and my God. And once again, it just reiterates that this camera and me have some mystical connection. <laughs> Gabe, there's one other sort of revelation that happened. What would that be? Well, I was, uh, I was looking at my battered canvas carry-on bag and thinking, this is not a very good carry-on bag for the camera equipment that I am bringing. <gasps> and so I thought... Wait, what? what's I coming would... out of your yes. mouth? What, are these, what this... are these words that are about to come out of your mouth? I know. I'm... Guys, those of you who have followed this news organization <laughs> are about to hear something that will stun you. So I go to REI. And you know, camping store, and I think maybe this is a good place to get myself a better carry-on bag, maybe one with some padding in it, maybe a backpack, I don't know. I'm looking around, and what do I see? <laughs> but the, they have one in stock, the Peak Design Everyday Sling 10L Version 2 Camera Bag. Right there. Right, right there. in front of your face. And you're going, I'm not a camera bag guy. Why would I'm I get this? I'm not a camera guy. Yeah. But I look at this and I go, you know, the thing about these peak design bags is they have these repositionable vertical chambers in them for your gear. And I'm looking at it and I'm going one chamber for the X-Pan, mm -hmm. one for the Leica CL, yes. and one for the 15 rolls of Portra. Plus, it's got a little sleeve for my <laughs> MacBook and my iPad and a little zippy compartment for my headphones and my extra CR2 batteries. And, my, and I'm thinking... Maybe a camera bag is sensible. You are coming to the trip. dark side. That's what's happening. I'm convinced. Here's what I want to tell you. I took this camera bag everywhere yes. in Paris. Yes. I had it over my shoulder everywhere. And I will tell you, I felt more comfortable than I would have in with my naked X-Pan over my shoulder because of rain, because of criminals, yep. because of... I just in, and because of shopping, like when I was shopping and I bought some small object, I could drop it in the camera bag. It was a delight. So and happy about this. Gabe had gotten me what was it? The five L. Yeah, a small a small one. That's a bag. really compact for your CL. Very yeah, nice. Yeah. That's a kind of a one or one and a half camera bag. Yeah. This one is much more roomy. I love this thing. So and excited. I, I don't know if I'm a camera bag convert, but for this trip, it was terrific. It worked. Absolutely terrific. Could not have enjoyed it more. As I said, took it everywhere. So I stand correct. Something you don't hear from me very much, man. <laughs> no, you never quite hear that. Corrected. So excited. One other note, by the way, on traveling with film. Yes. Okay. Everybody talks about this noise. Oh, and so yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah. What? I was going to ask you about this. I'm glad you're going to bring this up. Okay, go on. Go on. I'm excited. As y'all know, in some of the major airports on this planet, they are supplanting the old x-ray machines with these uh, machines, which are basically MRI machines. Yeah. And these will murder your film, no matter what the speed is. I believe the, the, uh, the trade name for these devices is Rapiscan. Mm -hmm. Your film will be violated yes. by these machines. Yes. So you have to ask if you come across one of these x-ray machines. I mean, I do this as a matter of course anyway, but you have to ask them to hand check your film. Right. And so what I did was I poured all of the film into one clear Ziploc bag and 
every security person that I came across was only too happy to oblige. And in the American airports, they were delighted to not only check my film, but to hand check the cameras. That's not in amazing. Paris, baby. No way. No way. On the way back, in, now, of course, I'm using my broken French at this point. Oui, oui. But in airport security, I see this rapid scan, and I'm like, okay, ma'am, will you, I say to her in French, will you hand check my cameras? And she said, no, she would not, that they had to go through the x ray oh, machine. So, so I had to quickly rewind the X-Pan, which meant wasting half a roll, because right. as we know, it rewinds all the way in the canister. In the case of the Leica CL, I was able to hand rewind and leave the tab out. Right. But I put all that in, and then, you know, they hand checked that, but they would not hand check a camera, only film. So beware, guys. And so... That's what you got to do So they did. They did, um, they did hand check your film? They did. But only the film. They would not do it if it was in the camera. Wow. They refused to do it. Yeah. And they understood what I was saying. They just refused to do it, I guess, because you could put a little tiny bomb in the camera and make it look like it. I don't know. Anyway. Frustrating, yeah. I'm going to do two quick little stops. I did not do a ton of camera shopping, guys. I was mostly just shooting the landmarks. And these things will be going up on my personal Instagram, S. Jeff Greenstein, and maybe also on the I Dream of Cameras Instagram yes. in the coming weeks. Um, but I did go to two Paris camera shops. One was in the flea market district in the north of, uh, of uh, Paris, um, a store called A Vieux Format. That looked amazing, by the way. I looked the that old one up. format. It's yeah. beautiful. We will link to it in our show notes. They had many amazing things. It was a small but really beautiful vintage shop, but they also had ephemera, and I got, as a piece of ephemera, I got, I'm trying to pull this out quickly. You're finding your I ephemera. I got, here it comes. Look at that. So good. This is a little aluminum sign for Alpa cameras. Look at that. Alpa Ulnia. That's the very early Alpa camera. I have seen these go on the eBay for $300. That's crazy. And guys, it's a piece of tin. Right. Do you know what I paid for it? How much? 15 euro. Oh, that's awesome. 15 euro, my friend. So that was a really good deal. Uh, I will tell you in general, by the way, camera prices at these shops were all over the map. There were some prices for like, I saw a Minolta SRT 303. 400 euro. That's oh insane. Goodness. That's crazy. On the other hand, a Polaroid one-step, 30 euro. Wow. So some cameras, like your mechanical 70s SLRs, were going for prices far above what we would find in the States, and Polaroids were cheaper. That's I don't crazy. know why. What else so, did you see that was really expensive that was unusually expensive from what... Com well, I did see an Alpa Reflex. Right. And of course, I'm always looking for Alpas. And at another shop called Odeon Occasion Photo. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. Très bien. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. On uh, Boulevard Beaumarché, uh, they had an Alpa, uh, an Alpa Reflex, the original Alpa, Alpa Reflex. And it was like 1,600 euro. There were some very, very expensive cameras right. like that. Right. So things were kind of all over the map. Um, Odeon, I'm just going to pronounce it that way. Odeon, incredible selection. And while I was there, I met an American 
uh, expatriate named Christopher Nisperos, who we will also link to, who showed me some of his portfolio. Uh, he published a book called Hollywood Portraits, which was about doing portrait lighting for your um, portrait shoots so that it looks like that old, like, George Hurley. Is that his name? George Hurrell. George George Hurrell, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, how to do portrait lighting in black and white so that it looks like those old George Hurrell portraits. Beautiful. He has a book called Hollywood Portraits, which is all about this. Um, anyway, but those were the two shops I went to, and it was fun. I didn't do a lot of avid shopping, guys, and I know you're going to tell me about all these shops I missed out on. Oh, I did also go to the Leica store, which was boring. <laughs> he said they it was very ordinary. T-shirt. Yeah. They did not have that T-shirt that you got. That shop, by the way, on uh, the one where Fred got you that T-shirt, yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, but that was the shopping. I'm going to round this out by saying one more thing. Yes. So I returned from Paris to New York with my 11 rolls of film. And, of course, I started thinking about, all right, I guess I'm going to take this back to L.A. and I'll take it to my local lab. But then I thought, no, 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 no. You know what? I'm going to try a New York lab. I'm here for a week. Oh, so great. And I decided to use a local lab, which is Sissy Lou's favorite. Sissy Lou. Our previous guest. Yes. There is a lab, very walking distance from where I am staying, in Chelsea, called Picture House Small Dark Room. I took my 11 rolls to them. They developed and scanned in two days. It was very cheap, and there was no upcharge for panoramic. I love these guys. I While I was waiting in line, the, a guy there said, you're at the best lab in New York. Oh, that's so great. Uh, I would say my experience bore that out. They did a great job. Very nice people. Very responsive. Have you been there? Yes, Cute I have been photo. there. It's really great. Incredible. And uh, Incredible. when I'm in New York, that's who I will be using. Yes, definitely. But I have been there. Uh, so, yeah, they did a really, really good job. So, yeah, um, uh, I have been to B&H briefly. I spoke to our friend Michael at B&H. I asked him about... I made him roll his eyes a lot. <laughs> I made him roll his eyes by asking about Alpas and Minoxes of course, and the of Olympus course. 40 millimeter. They had an X-Pan there, by the way, at a pretty good price. Wow. Uh, but anyway, those are my adventures, Gabe. I love them. I love them. Here's what's really interesting. I, w I, I know that B&H gets so many cameras and they go right out the door, but I'm surprised that their inventory isn't at least half as big as um k&m yeah I, I was surprised too you know they have the stuff on display right you know they right. have the stuff on display and i don't know is that it in terms of what they have in they, terms of they really cameras? do i mean they sometimes yeah. they'll look something up like i was asking them for i can't remember what but they'll look it up and and but usually it's the stuff that's right there uh behind the use counter you know what they had that I really wanted, which was in their not for sale section. Of course, they have a little museum sort of yes case. Yes, uh, but this was not a museum piece. This was a camera that caught my eye that I've always been kind of intrigued by. Have we ever talked about the Mamiya thirty-five millimeter cameras no. of the uh, mid to late seventies? No. When I was camera shopping back when I was a teenager, preteen, you know, when I finally landed on the Canon EF as right. the camera I wanted, I was really intrigued by the Mamiya. 35 millimeter cameras of the time, specifically the 500 DTL right. and the very similar 1000 DTL, which is basically basically the same camera. One has a top shutter speed of 500th of a second. One is 1000th of a second. Um, very good, clean-lined, utilitarian, Spotmatic-style cameras with Mamiya glass, guys. I mean, 
pretty nice, right? Yeah. They're apparently not terrifically reliable. Right. There is an incredibly rare variant called the 2000 DTL, which only came in black and is highly collectible. Top shutter speed of one two thousandth. I want to get one one of these days. Anyway, the camera that supplanted it, I believe, is the 528TL. There's also the MSX 1000. Anyway, in that not for sale section, they had the MSX. Right. And they and I asked our friend Michael there, and he said the only reason it's back there is because it doesn't work. Oh. They're not selling it because it doesn't work. Right. But I said, do let me know when that thing gets fixed, because I, I would be interested. It's not an expensive thing. Those cameras go for 100, 150 bucks. But it's a M42 Pentax mount. So might be a fun camera to get and play well, with. It's interesting because there's a DTL. There's the uh, just what you're talking about, the 2000 DTL with yeah. a 55 1.4 for yes. 950. Yes, I've seen that That's one. And I'm lot. not sure it works. Yeah. I'm not sure that it works. I think they say that the meter is not tested. That's I keep expensive. watching that one on yeah. uh, eBay. By the way, I'm not going to say what this thing is because I don't want anyone else to buy it. But one of my white whales is on eBay right now. And I may have it by the end of this week. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to say what it is. I don't want any of you guys getting it. It's a thing. It's a, we you know it's... what? Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> We're going to make this a puzzle. Yes. Can you guys guess? Okay, you guys know what I like. I'm yes. not even going to review. Yeah. You guys know what I like. Right. Okay? You know what kinds of exotic and strange cameras I like. Right. I challenge you guys, can you guess what my white whale is? <laughs> there may be a prize involved, if you can guess. And to clarify, it's not actually a white whale, just to be it clear. It's not actually a white no, whale. But, no. yeah. I will tell you this. I'll tell you something exciting that happened yesterday. So, yeah, tell um, me. You know, Jeff and I will probably do a whole thing on this soon because it feels like everyone's popping up with a podcast about the writer's guild strike. Yes, um, yes. And, uh, you know, so, so I was there yesterday uh, outside of Amazon. On the picket line. On the picket line. And something happened that's never happened before. A couple yes. of people stopped me because you, you put on name tag. So everyone like writes yes. on name tag and on and on. There were a lot of people. And two people came up to me in different times and said, I love your podcast. <laughs> I, I was, and I was in mid-conversation what? with people who looked at me like, what are they talking about? They must think you're someone else. Oh, my God. And I, and I was like, then I have to explain about the, you know, no, Jeff. Anyway, so it was really fun. I just loved it. I said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to talk to him. And I got to talk to friends about, uh, you know, cameras you know and i and wow there's uh you know friends i i'm sure i sent you the picture of you know wally waladarski and maya forbes yeah and, and wally is kind of into very cool cameras he has a few really really what uh, is he like he has this, some really good wally was a simpsons writer he's a he's, great you know, writer and really really good all writer. the wes anderson maya, films. also a brilliant yeah. writer yes yeah Maya, yeah. Maya did Larry Sanders. They're kind of stuff. Yeah, they're kind of an it couple, yeah, like totally. brilliant, brilliant married couple. Very cool, very sweet. Work. Lots of fun, and you know, Maya's directed, and on and on. Anyway, so of course we start geeking out. Wally and I start geeking out on cameras. He's going, "What? Like what? Talking about photography?" And he has some really cool cameras. He's definitely a Leica user, which I knew back when. Oh, okay. We were doing. Uh, wimpy kid and i believe they did the next one so we did one and two and then i think they did three and um 
so we would we would talk about you know cameras all the way. He had some really really interesting cool uh, cameras. It was fun to sort of you know talk about how where I would mention one and he'd go, oh yeah, no, I have that one too. Wow! Like, oh my God, how about that's, that? So it's very fun. Maybe we'll talk to him on the show one day because he's really yeah. He's a, he's a fun fun guy. I was on the uh, Writers Guild East picket line right. at uh, Steiner Studios where they shoot the Sex in the City sequel. Right. Um, this is one of the points where I keep my opinion of myself. And uh, there was a woman with a Minolta uh, autofocus point and shoot. Oh wow! Thirty five millimeter. Wow. I did not get to talk to her because it was too hot to right. talk to anybody. Right. Of course. Um, but. Yeah, she was like walking the line with her film camera. It made me oh, happy. I love that. I got to tell you, so let's let's just take a little bit on this. Um, you know, I've gone down the rabbit hole once again, you know, with my friend Victoria, who has that store. I told you with the tiny vintage, can- you know, tiny little uh, uh, cameras, all the compact cameras. Yes. She has a store. We've mentioned it before and we'll, yes. we'll have a link, but. You know, I start getting into it and I start looking at them and I always, I really don't regret, you know, getting rid of the Contax T2, but I start looking in that world and go, okay, so what other cameras that have Zeiss lenses or what other cameras are people talking about? Because it just fascinates me. I think it'd be fun for the show. And the prices are out of control. Oh, yeah. And so what I always think of, like, I always go, oh my gosh, I've got to send this to Jeff. Because Jeff, who is not that much into those cameras, can immediately go, oh, you know what you could get for that. And then I started going, wow, when it's getting into the 11 and 12 and $1,300 and close to yeah. $2,000, I'm going, well, what is going on here? Like, it seems like it's way out of control. Yeah. I just don't I, get it. I mean, it seems like the, the other than the X-Pan, which is a thing unto itself. Right. The, the prices are spiking on these high-end point-and-shoots, some of which are fixed lens, like the 35Ti, the Nikon 35Ti, right. and some of which have interchangeable lenses, like what you're describing. But these compact, the Olympus Stylus, these things are insane. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, even the Olympus XAs have started to climb. And I don't really, I guess technically some of those are point-and-shoots, but... It just seems like, for whatever reason, this is the part of the market that has just taken off. And it's the, the particular Fuji class yeah. with a K, you know, the uh, the contacts that you're describing, that Nikon, the uh, Nikon uh, L35AF, like all of these things have just exploded in popularity, perhaps because you can kind of just load them in 35 millimeter film and shoot away and start getting great results really fast because the glass is so good. Right. And in most cases, the autofocus is so precise, you don't have to learn how to focus an SLR. You don't have to learn how to focus a rangefinder. So, so with people with a little, you know, disposable right. income, right. Uh, this is the entry point. I also feel like whenever you see one of those lifestyle magazines like GQ Someone's do an article on like the new Vogue in film photography, typewriters, and vinyl records, yeah. invariably the film camera they choose is the context G2 or something. You know, inevitably that's right. what they'll choose. It's also a, um, the interesting thing is like with the Yashica T4, you know, there's yeah. also other Yashikas. There's a T3 and a T and a, Five. you know, yeah, there's, there's other, and they're also, some are way less expensive than that T4 and it has the exact yeah. same lens. It's just not the same shape. So that's yeah. something really interesting. I just feel like that's, 
it's gotten crazy because you could really get a nice 35 millimeter kit for what you're paying for one of these cameras. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, even at the $500 range, you're just going, wow, that's a lot. Uh, you know, it is, you know, that coupled with the rise in film prices yeah. kind of prompts this question, which we have visited occasionally over the years of doing this show, right. which is, is the price of this hobby now becoming prohibitive? You know, we have talked about ways to save money. If you're getting into film photography and you're looking to do it, you know, without spending too, too much, we have talked about our cheap camera recommendations. There are still plenty of unsexy 35 millimeter cameras out there to yeah. be had and 120 cameras for that matter but when if you do 35 and you bulk load black and white you can knock down the cost of a roll to eight bucks yep. instead of 15 if you do your own processing it becomes even more economical but it is getting hard you know for for the you know beginning photographer Right. You know, maybe you shoot Kent mirror or something, you know, so you can get inexpensive 35 millimeter that's already been rolled. But it is challenging. Yeah. And it really it really makes me wonder, you know, going forward about whether now that we're vacuuming up all the desired, you know, all the desirable, relatively inexpensive cameras, if it's going to be harder for Tessa and her ilk to find these relatively inexpensive. Cameras well, I'm to start still off. trying. I mean, look, you know, we helped. You know Chloe Kissner with her her yes. camera, and now she is moving up because she's been. <gasps> this is all because we've started talking to her about. You know she's all excited about using the camera, and then she started using it. Then she started shooting at friends' weddings, and then she shot more friends' weddings. I'm talking about just as a guest, right? Yes. But then they see the pictures, and now people want her to shoot their weddings. So wow. she is. I mean, just like those kind of candid shots. So she's, you know. She's actually looking for other cameras and, and, and checking things out. So it's very exciting to see someone. Now, her, her first age. one was in the A1. 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 The one that's automatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it was so exciting for a while that A1, which was in a lot of ways Canon's most technologically advanced camera before the EOS series. Right. I, I, I helped a friend's son go camera shopping. We went to the Pasadena camera show back in the day. And he was looking for his first 35 millimeter. We found an A1 with lens, 20 bucks. That's amazing. You used to be able to see, you'd see A1s on the trash table. Yeah. Nobody wanted them. Yeah. Even when the AE1 started to take off, people would ignore the A1, which is a more versatile camera. Yeah. Now that's not the case. Right. People kind of got wise to the fact that A1s are amazing. Right. The same way that they're starting to get wise to those second wave Nikon cameras you know, like the uh, the plastic body ones. Like, what do they call the N8008 here? What is the name for that? I don't know. I think there is an N8008 here. I think it is here. But, oh, it is? Yeah. But what, what were those? Anyway, I don't remember. Right. But the Canon Rebels. Yep. You know, things like Canon that. Canon Rebels you know. are getting big again. And, and I don't yeah. know if you've seen, you know, Trev Lee's stuff. I, it's just amazing. That's he the camera it. he swears by. Yeah, he loves yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, what other shooting have you been doing, my friend? We have not seen each other in a little bit. I know it's been, been it's been uh, it's been a little crazy. I mean, other than I shot, you know, a bunch of friends. Um, yeah, I shot some friends' parties just for fun, and obviously gave them the pictures. And um, you know, in New York, shot a bit, which was fun because I love shooting in the subways. Uh, but haven't done a lot. I'm going to start uh, doing more starting this weekend, so I'm excited about that. Got yeah. it. And we've been okay. uh, we've been doing our uh, 
picket lines out here, which has been no yes. fun, but yes. That's correct. Yep. Yes. Uh, here's what I'm going to say about the uh, prodigious mailbag. Uh, we once again have a bit of a backlog stretching back about yes. three weeks, and I don't want to not do justice to these. So I think we are going to probably kick this down the line to the next episode. And do a mailbag really show. A yeah. proper mailbag show. So everyone who has been patient with us, just hang in for another week or two, right. and we will get to you. Uh, we got another flood tide of correspondence, which was much appreciated yes. after my... I mean, we didn't, we didn't even do the one-word thing last time. We did a zero-word thing where I simply <laughs> thanked people for writing. Um, I do want to highlight, however, a couple of the comments that came in on the YouTube. You know, uh, we wanted to turn comments off. Uh, that was the very first thing I said when we even YouTube. thought of it. Yeah, But we were not able to do that. Right. So uh, I want to share just a couple of comments that we got on the YouTube of our 50th episode. Oh, boy. I hate to give these people the oxygen, but uh, uh, congratulations, people who commented on YouTube. Let me give you an example. Gabe, do you know that sometimes on this show, I pretend to be stupid? <laughs> Have you noticed that? I mean, I can be remarkably stupid, right, but right. this is an example of me pretending to be stupid and uh, somebody thinking I was actually stupid. Yes. So let me read the response. Here yes, it is. Yes. This gentleman points to the 19-minute mark in the video where I use the word sine qua non. <laughs> the phrase, the Latin phrase sine qua non. And I pretend that I know, do not know what it means. I would like to point out to the teeming millions who listen to this podcast yes. that I took Latin from fourth to eighth grade. Uh, no, sorry. I took Latin from fourth, to, no, fourth grade through high school. Oh my I had God. eight years of Latin and then more Latin in college. I don't like to brag about this. Okay, I don't often trumpet my extraordinary uh, personal accomplishments on this show, but I was the Latin mottos, abbreviations, and quotations champion of the country okay, that's, at the that's National the Junior Classical League convention in Tallahassee, Florida in, insert year here, during my junior year in high school. Yes. Okay? Yes. I also did very well on derivatives. Yes. And state, anyway, so I know what sine qua non means, but this man explained it to me. He said, I had to look it up. Oh, my god! And it means without which not. Sine qua non can be translated literally as without which not. No, actually, my friend, it means without which nothing. In other words, if you don't have this thing, it does, you, you know, you're going nowhere. Right. Okay? Right. Uh, an example of a sine qua non is trying to make a salad dressing without olive oil? Or an expat work in 2023? No, they, that's wrong. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Though this may sound like gibberish, it means more or less without something, something else won't be possible. Sine qua non sounds slightly literary, and it shouldn't be used just anywhere. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Uh, thank you, random YouTube commenter. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of things people like to upbraid me about. Yes. <laughs> we really should just call this the Vivian Meyer podcast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Here we go. Yeah. This gentleman said, 
I don't understand this kind of discussion about Vivian Meyer. For me, there is no doubt that she was an outstanding photographer. This curated argument, he says in quotes, is just nonsense for me. A lot of great photographers had help with their work. In her 8mm films, you get a good hint about what photographic eye this woman had. The biggest question for me is about her late work. I'm not a big fan of her color works, the stuff which was released lately. We don't really know what to expect from her work after the 1970s and the thousands of undeveloped rolls of color film. It seems that she photographed more and more nonsense, newspaper, and her daily life as a nanny when she got older. Maybe that's no surprise. A lot of photographers do their best work in young ages. We don't really know what happened to the artist Vivian Meyer in the beginning of the 1970s. <laughs> her early work of the 50s and 60s is definitely not overrated. Friend, you are cherry-picking! Uh, uh. This gentleman is cherry-picking. You cannot develop a narrative about Vivian Meyer! <laughs> This you is never going to stop. A narrative. It's never going to end. Never going to end. It's just. Why it's so do funny. I feed this, Gabe? Tell me. Let's just. I know why. We close this. It out, makes you crazy. Why do this is one yes. of those things that like it's it's like if you had a scratch inside of your camera. It's that same oh. itch that makes you crazy, and you have to deal with it. Why do I continue to engage on this? <laughs> Why? What is wrong with me? What is broken in my personality? Because you'll we never give up. We talked about Vivian Meyer in one of the first episodes of this podcast, and it won't stop. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's upsetting to you. I just think it is. And I think it'll continue to be. Do you know what would happen if I were to suddenly say, hey, guys, you're right. She's better than Cartier-Bresson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that. Guys, you win. You've broken me. So good. You've broken me. She's better. The fact that her work is curated by some random dude who never met her, uh, it doesn't matter. Right. It does not matter. Totally okay? fine. Yeah. It's fine. She's a monkey with a typewriter, and she deserves a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> oh, no. So bad. Oh, that's going to get you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're going to kill oh, me. Oh, yeah. The that's, Meyer That's going to be it. Jeez. Gabe, we have reached the end so much of fun it's been 52. too long i think i'm excited to continue because we have so much material to uh get to yeah i i will say this guys uh a lot of travel has found its way into my life right, okay right. in addition to being in new york more and more and having done this paris trip uh i have other travel plans which will include eastern europe later in the summer i'll probably be in my hometown of atlanta at some point uh, and other exotic ports of call. So, as you know, we have talked about this. For me, photography is a spur to further adventure, and boy, have I been spurred. Yes, so, and also uh, our company is sending you on these trips that you're going to cover. Yes, you're going to cover right. these uh, these camera expeditions, and you're also going to, you know, unlock the mysteries of camera shops all across the world for our show. It's very exciting. <laughs> Yes, and the funny thing is, hmm. in all of this, as I said, I'm spending more time in New York, and yet Gabe and I are never here at the same time. It's I don't so understand bizarre. this. It's so bizarre, and I was just there, yeah. You, I mean, uh, you were here the uh, weekend before me. Yeah. It's crazy. We got to coordinate that. So we will do a New York edition, but let's put it to you guys. Now that globetrotting has become part of I Dream of Cameras, right. where would you... Uh, listen, okay, I've been to the UK with this show. yes. You have. Gabe has been to New York. So yes. have I. Yes. I've been to San Francisco with this show. Yes. Okay. 
where do you want us to go? Yes. Where would you like to see this show go? It is year three of I Dream of Cameras. Oh my goodness. And we have gone global. Our listenership is massive. Yes. Exploding all over the world. So I know that people in Ireland. Yes. For example, <laughs> we will be chiming in to clamor. And we are so talking about a meetup. We are to. talking about doing an yes. I Dream of Cameras meetup, but uh, yes, we will get some input and figure that out. Yes. So remember, you can email us at idreamofcameras at gmail.com. Get your thoughts in for our blockbuster mailbag episode coming soon. Gabe, anything else you care to report from the events of the last two weeks? No, I think we just go right to thank yous of our amazing Keith Greenstein, who has given us this amazing look and beautifulness that is the I Dream of Cameras logo and shirts and any other merch. Check them out, guys. Uh, please check it them. out. And then, of course, Fred Corey, our musical genius, who gives us sound bites and music and score and is also a Roloflex owner and will be uh, shooting more film hopefully very soon. So that's what I've got for you. Uh, will Fred be getting a Leica Q3, the newly announced Q3? Well, I will tell you this, that uh, it appears that Leica may be helping him out on because you know he had wow. a stolen Leica Q yeah. so we will see what happens but he may be a Exciting. Q2 owner or Q3 Exciting. we'll see yeah. yes well so yes thank you to Keith and Fred as you know guys you can go to idreamofcameras.com for all your idreamofcameras needs links to all our episodes our burgeoning merch page and so forth Gabe Sachs yes. is Gabe Sachs on Instagram I am S. Jeff Greenstein because Jeff Greenstein is a tax fraud felon. Gabe, would you be surprised to learn that I have elbowed him off the first page of the Google search results? <laughs> oh, nice. Well done. No, I would not be surprised of that right now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And of course, I Dream of Cameras is I Dream of Cameras on Instagram. Right. Uh, I think I might have just said this, but email us at idreamofcameras at gmail.com. We love hearing from you and we are eager to keep that dialogue going. I know it has been erratic in the last couple of months, but what a couple of months what they have been. What a couple of months they have been. Gabe. I have enjoyed this hour with you. I hope to be back in the same city with you soon. Please, please. Uh, why don't you walk us out of here? Here's what I got to tell you, people. Please look up all over the country, all over the world. And if you don't, please call them and figure out how to have your own group of beers and cameras. Have a little beers and cameras. It's, it's, it's all over the place. There's a giant group in New York. There's a great group in Los Angeles. And obviously where it started in San Diego. And Juan and his team, it's just, it's a great group to be a part of. And if you're in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Photography Club. Yeah. Katie has done a great job with that. They're going on very interesting excursions and museums and photo shows and openings. So uh, check them out on uh, Instagram. And that's, uh, that's the excitement. We will see you next episode. <laughs> <laughs>